Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Welcome all of you watching online. It's going to be an awesome day. Uh, just stay with us a moment, and I promise you what, what is said today is going to take you deeper. All right, let's stand to our feet. Hold your Bibles up and your iPhones up. Today's going to be an awesome day. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, the song, obviously entitled Shallow, is going to be the beginning of this message, Overcoming Shallow Living, Surface Living, Just Getting By, Just Getting a Little Bit, Just Getting uh, uh, just a, a Little Bit of Everything That God Has For Us. You know, the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy cannot steal your salvation, cannot steal your relationship. He cannot wipe away the blood of Jesus. However, what he attempts to do because he knows that he cannot reach into your soul and take out what Jesus has deposited, what he can do is work to keep us living a very shallow surface life. A life that just gets by, a life that's negative, a life that's often critical, a life that's looking around instead of looking within. And trusting God, we put our trust in our job and other people and how they treat us and what they say about us. And oftentimes we're very moved or discouraged when someone is discouraging toward us or says something bad about us. And uh, oftentimes because of a, an opinion of man, we lose the dominion of God. And when we get born again, we have resident in us the power of God's Spirit. Uh, the devil would love for us to stay in the shallow areas of faith and, and as we seek to find out who God is, if you're not a Christian, you're welcome here and we pray that today in some way helps answer some questions that maybe you've had as a seeker. Uh, I remember early on, I, I grew up in a very religious home. My mother was a devout Christian. My father was not. And there was always this tension watching my dad as a boy and watching how my dad lived, which I was very drawn to because he was my father. And yet I watched my mother serve God. And as a result of that, I had a ton of questions. If my father died, would he go to heaven? Because that's all I ever heard was in a religious circle that, that you know, you had to be in church and all of those things. And certainly church is very important to our faith. Uh, however, I was afraid, and I God, I didn't grow up in a relationship with God. I grew up giving attention to God, hearing about God, but not knowing God. And the Bible says that those who know their God are the ones who do great exploits. And certainly, I was living that shallow life, that surface life. As the song goes, tell me something. Are you happy in this modern world, or do you need more? Is there something else you're searching for? Well, we live in this modern world and we have a ton of conveniences and wonderful things that tools that help us navigate more rap rapidly and readily in our society. At the same time, those very tools become weapons against us if we don't know how to use them. 
the enormous amount of time that people today spend on social media, reading stories and seeing pictures. I'm not vilifying social media. I'm not cursing it. I'm simply addressing the idea that we may not always be using our time in a way that best serves our, our needs and our uh, desire to grow closer in God and go deeper in God and in what God has for us. I believe the promises of God, the Bible says, are all yes and amen. And yet most of us don't access those promises every day. And if we do, maybe it's the promise of salvation. It's a great promise. And if you call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says you'll have that salvation. However, there's so much more to God than just our salvation. That's the reason Jesus said in John 10, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Most people today would be satisfied with simply being happy. They'd be satisfied satisfied if their children simply obeyed them. They'd be satisfied if, if either the wife or husband didn't burn the meat. I love my mother, but she wasn't a very good cook. And, and you know, we... We look around and we look for all these different things to satisfy us and the voids that we have. And even if we have... So today, I want to walk us through this progression. Major difference uh, from being a seeker to being a disciple. And there is a major difference. And in the middle of that is being a Christian. And each one of these come with their own challenges. Uh, I was a seeker. I didn't know what I was seeking, but I was seeking something that would bring peace to my soul. I remember as a kid going to bed at night, fearful of dying, thinking if I died, what would happen? Where would I end up? Because I had my mother on one side who was extremely religious, and the church that we went to was very religious and not very grace-filled. They did the best they could with what they had in that moment. But I always felt like the only way I could go to heaven was to be good enough. And, and as a kid, I was a little ornery. And as a teenager, it got worse. <laughs> And I figured there was no way that I would ever make heaven. And it always scared me. And it scared me that I was absolutely sure my dad wouldn't. And so I grew up most of my life until I was in my 20s seeking an answer to what life was all about and what religion was all about and what different religions were all about and why people believed what they believed. I was seeking for peace. And so today, some of you are in that position and you're in the very shallow end of life. Um, you're considering God, and I don't want you to feel bad if that's all you're doing. I want you to know that that's okay. I'm just glad you're considering God. I'm glad you're seeking God. And you never need to feel bad in this church where you are in life. We're all on a journey, and we're all in different places on that journey. And all of us are loved by God no matter where we are on that journey. The goal in life is to get us to love God. And quite frankly, I think there are days I fail at that uh, as much as anybody would say, well, I'm a seeker, and I certainly do. We're all on a journey, and we're better together than we are apart. And we can pick each other apart. We can pick each other to death. We can, we can find fault in each other. We can look at each other and find things that we're not doing and things that we may not ought to be doing. And we, we can do that all day long because we're all fallen human beings. So that's the shallow area of life. Uh, there were a couple of guys when I got saved early on that were in different parts of the country. One was in Chicago. One was in Orange County, California. A guy by the name of Chuck Smith had uh, 
grew up and nobody was reaching a certain segment of Southern California. And it was the group of surfers and beach bums, if you will, what they used to call beach bums and surfers. And, 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 and your traditional denominational church would not allow this segment of society to enter their church because they had built these lavish buildings and paid extreme amounts of money for carpet and pews and so on and so forth. And, and so this group did not feel welcome. Whether they were or not, I don't know, but they, weren't, they didn't feel welcome. And so Chuck Smith decided he would reach out to this group of people. And he started a church called Calvary Chapel. And before long, Calvary church Chapel became one of those popular, well-known churches in America because Chuck Smith said, come in your bare feet, come in your swimsuits, come as you are, and, and we will love you. And it started a movement from the West Coast that would move all across America because he realized something, that at some point in everyone's life, we're seeking, we're looking, we're hoping to find something to fill this void that we have, this surface or shallow living, and realizing that something in us cries out because God put it there. Something in us cries out to have a better life, to know peace, to experience joy. And there's that in our DNA. God put it there when he created us in his image and likeness. And can you imagine people who have never been encouraged or given hope or extended grace or experienced love, that they're looking and saying, all I want is for you to love me. In Ezekiel chapter 47 uh, God is walking the prophet through the temple, and he said he walked to the east with a measuring tape and measured off 1,500 feet, leading me through water that was ankle deep. And so God will always take us to that place first because we feel okay. It's just up to my ankles. I'm going to be okay. I, I've never swam. I don't know that I can swim. I'm a little concerned about the current. All of these things are what goes through a mind of a seeker. I go into the church. How are they going to treat me? Are they going to shake my hand? Are they going to accept me? What do I have to wear? I hear it all the time. When I was on my sabbatical for a couple of years, uh, I, I visited churches all across America because I, I wasn't preaching. And... Uh, I went into one church. It was one of the biggest churches in our country. And uh, I thought, I'm just going to see what I'm going to do when I walk in. And, and they didn't know me, obviously. But I thought, I just want to see how, how it works being a parishioner because I've been preaching for so long. And I, I, I got out of my car. Nobody said hi. I walked to the front door. Nobody said hi. I walked into the lobby. I stood around and hung around just looking lost. And nobody said hi. I went into the auditorium. And I stood up a little bit looking for a seat. Nobody greeted me. I sat down, and from my car to my chair, nobody ever said hi. Now, I know God, but can you imagine a seeker that's looking for a Christian to love them, and nobody even says hi to them? I tell our staff, I want you hugged five times before you ever get in this auditorium. And if you were only touched two today, I apologize. We're going to love you in so many ways, you're bound to like one of them. And if you are untouchable, you will hate mosaic. High tech must always give way to high touch. That's the reason we say turn around and give somebody a high five. Something happens when somebody else touches us. And so it begins with that ankle deep. I'm going to test the waters. And I know some of you are here for the first time and, and you're wondering what we're all about. Our mission statement is we're creating a culture of love, grace, and mercy. Love never fails. Where sin abounds, grace does more abound. And mercy triumphs over judgment. 
And you say to yourself, but he doesn't know what I did last night. I don't need to know what you did last night. God knows and God loves you. Now, God's not going to punish you, but your decisions might. See, some people think God goes around punishing people. No, he just put everything in place and said you get to choose. So we suffer our own from our knee deep. He measured off another 1,500 feet, leading me through water to swim in. Water no one could possibly walk through. This is where we begin to put our trust in God as we go deeper. There are things when we're in that shallow end, I'll handle it. I'll take care of it. I got this. I grew up with a dad that was very much that way. He was a hardworking man of integrity. But my first 13, 14 years, he didn't know God. But I still watch my dad have integrity. But it was the mentality that we are responsible. I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. And let me tell you something. You can do that for a lifetime and never experience the joy of God because we need to trust him. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path clear god wants us to exercise faith in him shallow living does not put much faith in god it, matter of fact it almost puts us at a distance from god and and these are seekers in outside of chicago i remember where the seekers uh, sensitive movement began that's what it was called and it created a rift between all denominations charismatics who is this guy that is uh, renting a movie theater and, and these people are just coming in, and he's really not talking much about the Bible. And he took a lot of criticism. But what he was doing was addressing people who were seeking God in a way that they could understand. Oftentimes, we think we have to be the ones to make it happen. So the very first group, this, this seeker group, it's a shallow group. And I want to take you out of the shallow into the deep. But uh, Susan and I were... Uh, on a vacation and we were in Florida and Southwest Florida and we were in this restaurant and oftentimes you know the restaurant bar has booths and everything and you can get served quicker so we thought well let's just step in there and so we we sat down and we ordered and as we were sitting there uh, the bartender is talking to all the people sitting around the bar and it was pretty full and so I'm you know I'm eavesdropping <laughs> and not really trying but he you know bartenders are loud really and uh and some of you go, really? I didn't know that. I get you. Uh, <laughs> thank God for people like you. I just used to be around them all the time. And, and so I'm listening, and he, he picks up this piece of paper, and one of the uh, patrons said, well, what is that? And he said, well, I guess it's my tip. And he said, well, what is it? He said, oh, it's a, it's a religious or Christian tract. And so now he has my attention. And they start talking about what he had been given. And you could tell the patron was was not happy, felt like the bartender deserved, deserved a cash tip. How many of you know a gospel tract does not pay the bills? But Christians oftentimes think, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the four spiritual laws and if you don't straighten up, you're going to hell. That's often what Christians do. So I'm sitting there and I'm listening and I'm, I'm hearing him say he didn't get a tip. I looked at Susan, she looked at me, and I said, we got to do something. She said, why don't you give him some money? So I walked over to the bar, and I walked around privately. I asked the bartender, I said, come here. He, held out, he came over, and I said, hold out your hand. I gave him a $20 bill, and I said, on behalf of all Christians, allow me to apologize. I said, I will not be out. I said, I'm a pastor. I said, sir, and you just... I didn't give him the one. Four spiritual laws... I didn't try to lead him to Jesus. I just wanted to show him Jesus. I figure somebody else is going to get the harvest of that because if I give it to him and then start trying to talk him into it, it looks like I'm trying to buy him, and I've tried that before. 
But I said, I'm a pastor, sir. And I said, I want you to know you deserve a tip. And I walked away. The guy was shocked. Now, the reason I say I've tried that before is I've, I used to do street witnessing in New York City, Mardi Gras, Louisiana, and, and in Tulsa where I was first going to college. And I would go downtown at 2 in the morning and uh, midnight to about 2 or 3 and, and witness to the homeless and try to feed them and all that. He was getting saved that. Feed them to Jesus. Back then, I didn't know to feed them. I, I just knew how to try to lead them to Jesus. And I couldn't lead him by the Lord. Nobody was getting saved that night. Bad fishing, bad bait. I don't know what it was. But finally, about two or three, I was tired. Nobody's getting saved. And, and I told this one homeless person, I said, I'll give you $2 to pray a sinner's prayer with me. <laughs> I will buy your salvation. <laughs> I was so goofy and messed up. I didn't understand seekers. But seekers are the kind of people that believe everything they're looking not everything they're looking for the possible is it possible this god they talk about is real is it possible he would love me you remember nicodemus in john chapter 3 he was a high-ranking official of the sanhedrin and and he had watched jesus go through all that he was going through and for that brief time and he began to seek jesus out at night he was a seeker and then he only shows up again after the crucifixion but he, he wanted to pay for the burial. And so we see in the shallow end, watching Jesus from a distance. And let me propose this. Many people are watching Jesus from a distance, but they're filtering him through you and me. And if we're mean and we call ourselves believers, then that's how they see Jesus. After I wrote my first book, uh, the publisher was booking places on radio and TV across the country to promote the book. And uh, I was uh, uh, asked to go to upstate New York. There, were, uh, there was a, it's a really interesting story. A rabbi and a priest, they didn't even agree on religion, but they had a TV program. And every time Larry King had a religious situation, Larry King would call this rabbi and priest. And they would show up on the Larry King show and they would talk religion. Well, I didn't find this out until I get to the director of the program. He's telling me. I didn't know who they were. And then it kind of scared me because I thought, these guys are smarter than me, a long way smarter than me. And I know they don't believe what I believe. And yet they have my book in their hand, and we're going to talk about my book. And they were asking some pretty tough questions. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking and responding. And then they looked at me, and one of them said, well, how does this work for us? I said, well, I really don't know how it works for you. I'm only telling you how it worked for me. <laughs> I didn't try to convert them on the air because I thought this is going to turn into a show. And I've watched Christians debate atheists and agnostics, and I've watched it. And the thing that's always disturbed me is that Christians get riled when somebody disagrees with them. Rather than sitting there going, you know, I, and this is what I told them. I said, guys, I can't tell you how this works for you. I'm seriously only telling you how it worked for me, and it changed my life forever. That's what the book states. And they were respectful, and it was a respectful show. But the reality is, when you know God, you don't have to yell at other people. You don't have to be mean to other people. The Bible says it's love that never fails. I wish I would have learned this many, many years ago, that, that it's the love of God. Now, some of you may be in that seeker position, and you're still unsettled. You're, you're like, I believe in God. Matter of fact, one survey says that today, 75% of all Americans call themselves Christians.
Now, this is going to be my transition point here because it's very important for us to understand what... Uh, here's the deal. We all have our convictions. There was a there's neighborhood, and it was a really close neighborhood. It was kind of an older neighborhood. And, and uh, there was a single man that lived next door. He was Baptist. He lived next door to a Catholic family. How many of you know Catholics can have families? <laughs> they do it well. And if you're Catholic, I love you. I preached in the largest Catholic church in the state of Oklahoma. It was priceless, wonderful. Love everybody. But they're, 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 you know, during Lent, uh, the Catholics can only eat fish on Friday. They can't, they can't, that's all they can eat. They, can't, they can eat vegetables, but they cannot eat meat, beef. And so the Catholics every year during Lent, this Baptist would go out on his grill and he'd get the fattest steaks he could get and he'd throw them on the grill. And the wind would just blow over the fence right into the backyard of the Catholics. And they were going, we got to convert him. We got to convert him. This is not working. So over time, they just kept talking to him about Catholicism and all this. And so finally, one day, he decided that's what he was going to do. And so they, they, they converted him to Catholicism, and he went through all the classes and all the stuff. And, uh, and finally, at the end of it, they, they had the dedication, and it says, you were born a Baptist, you were raised a Baptist, but now you're a Catholic. And, oh, everybody was excited, the neighborhood, they rejoiced. And so uh, next year rolls around, it's Lent, and all of a sudden they're sitting outside and they start smelling the same smell of beef coming from the backyard of the former Baptist. And they were, they were like good Catholics, so they had to go over and say, this is Lent, you can only have fish on Friday. And so they go in the backyard, and he, they came over and they start talking to me. He looked down at the steak and he said, you were born a cow. You were raised a cow, but now you're a fish. <laughs> you see, you can be nice and still disagree. <laughs> I thought in my life, are interested in heaven. Christians are going to heaven. And it's very important that we understand there's more to what we believe in the person we believe in than simply going to heaven. Going to heaven, quite frankly, and this really jacks up religious people, but all you have to do is read what's in red in the Bible, the four gospels, and how Jesus responded to the woman caught in the act of adultery, the woman at the well, Zacchaeus the thief. All you have to do is look at Jesus' response and realize we probably have not had that good of a response. But a Christian is a person that says, oftentimes simply, I'll pray for you. Now you say, well, that's not a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing, but it's not the best thing, or better yet, not the only thing. Jesus didn't just come to earth to represent heaven and the Father and say, I'll pray for you. And I'll get to that in just a minute. But in America, 75% of people today say they're Christians. This is down from 85% in 1990, 81.6% in 2001, and slightly lower than 78% in 2012. So what I'm saying here is you see the decline in people who are professing the faith. At the same time, it's a wonderful thing to think out of hundreds of millions, whatever the number is, 700 million in America, whatever it is now, I'm probably 
substantially off in that number. But if you just take 75% of that, and we look around, and every one of us would probably scratch our heads saying, I haven't met that many Christians. <laughs> because what we are looking for is, aren't we looking for people who are nice, loving, kind, full of grace? Now, I know that's hard to do driving in Oklahoma. I oftentimes tell people, if you want to grow in your faith, buy a car and move to Oklahoma. <laughs> Honestly. It's like, you know, there are states that really excel in driving, and there are states that just do not. I'm not saying we're one of them, but I would imply that. <laughs> At least from my standpoint, when I'm behind the wheel, I'm praying all the I bought another one just to increase my faith. If I ask you today how to go from the shallow to the deep, we start by seeking. When we entertain Christianity, it's what I call knee-deep. Seekers are ankle-deep. There's not much movement in the water. I used to go to Colorado every summer and, uh, because my aunt and uncle lived there. We were poor. We could stay at their house for free. We didn't have lodging costs. And food costs were the same as we were at home. The only thing that we had extra was fuel. And so we'd go and we would, up in Colorado, we'd go to some of the the uh, rivers that were rushing and I remember you could stand just on the edge about ankle deep there was no push no pull no circulation I mean you could stand there not even have to think about it but when you went out knee deep in some of those category five rivers man you better stand strong or your legs were going to be taken out from under you when we become a Christian we get out into that knee deep and it requires of us to stand a little stronger Matter of fact, there's a word that used to be used all the time in the church I went to called backslidden. In other words, people who would come to church every week, then they started coming three times a week and then two times a week, and then they found out what they might be doing. What was happening is that they were Christians, but somehow they had lost their focus and their footing, and, and they had a hard time standing. And, and with that came the criticism of the church and not the encouragement of the church, but the criticism of the church. As a Christian, we are expected to go deeper, which means that we have to love greater in more obvious fashion, extending grace, which religious people would say, you're condoning sin, you're condoning sinful behavior. I would never condone sinful behavior any more than Jesus did, but Jesus always loved the sinner who was exhibiting that behavior. We've had a hard time doing that for fear that we will be criticized for empowering something of substance in their soul. They can't sleep at night. They're always depressed or downcast. They're never happy because they're perplexed. How do I live this life? And I propose this, that if all I was was a Christian that came and sat on a chair every week, that I probably would go back to being a seeker. It doesn't mean that I wouldn't go to heaven, but it means that I had lost my zeal because there's something greater to our faith than just sitting on a chair and, and saying, I go to church. We are the church. The church to me is a verb. It's, it's active. It's action. It's something that we do. We, we'll pray for you, but will we really fight for you? Shallow surface living is a very dangerous place to be. 
Just being a Christian to me is a difficult place to be. Let's look at what it means. We Christian being, he is the son of God. You believe that? He died for the sins of all mankind. He rose from the dead on the third day. He has forgiven our sins. He has gone to prepare a place in heaven for us. He'll return one day to gather believers. You see, seekers are interested in heaven. I believe everybody on earth is interested in eternity. Let's not call it heaven. Everybody's interested in eternity. Where will I go when I die? What will happen to me when this is all done? We all have that interest. We're all seeking that answer. But as Christians, we believe in heaven. We're not seeking it. We believe in it. And here's the danger of it. Many people become Christians to simply avoid going to hell. And I got to tell you, that's a miserable life. Now, eternity may be bliss, but here, if all you're hoping for is to avoid hell and maybe just kind of sneak into heaven, all of this life won't be much different to you than if you didn't know God. There's more to God than just going to heaven. He has filled us with His Spirit. We have resurrection power. Paul said, I want to know him in that resurrection power, the power of his suffering and and in his resurrection. Paul said, I want all of God. Paul would have been considered a disciple, not one of the 12, but a strong father. And there was a a gentleman who's got saved in our church at Noah's event venue when we first started. I've watched him grow now for three and a half years. And, and he's got involved and he's participated. And, and every now and then he started not being quite as frequent as he was. So I called him and I said, I didn't say, where have you been? You know what I said? I said, would you be willing to lead up our, us, our, our greeters in our parking lot? And he absolutely. I didn't say, well, you're going to have to come to church to do it. <laughs> I just decided to put him in a position that if he missed, then I could say, get your booty here. I wanted to empower him. I wanted to encourage him. He has a high position in the secular world. I mean, he's a responsible person is what I'm saying. I love him. He loves me. He loves the church. The church loves him. The point I'm making is I don't want him. After coming to Jesus under my pastorate, I do not want him to simply be a Christian. And that's typically our goal. And let me tell you, I have never converted anybody to Christ if they think I have they're going to hell you can't they, they, we don't make converts Jesus makes converts we talk about Jesus we show them Jesus and once they experience Jesus I'm not called to make my own disciples I'm called to lead them to Jesus in a way that they see him and they become his disciple in our faith we've got to take them higher. See, listen, Christianity is the religion based on a person and teachings of Jesus and some beliefs and practices. So it's that simple faith. Paul said, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul said, I want all these things. This is the last point. Seeker, Christian, disciple. And there is a difference in a disciple and a Christian. A disciple is a hardcore follower of Jesus Christ. They no longer see Christianity as the most important thing. They got that. Jesus paid for that. They didn't. We didn't. Jesus did. Now what are we to do? We're to be followers of Jesus Christ. Not just just say, I'll pray for you, but I will fight for you. That's what the disciples said. 
We're committed not just to you because you've given us a ticket to heaven. We're committed to you because we know there are people like us who are out there fishing for nothing and astray like Zacchaeus. We have got to introduce other people to who you are. That's what Jesus said, the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make, not Christians, but make disciples. He made it very clear that I don't want them just to know me. I want them to know me in the full power of my resurrection so that you can live a victorious, overcoming, abundant life, not defeated, not under circumstances, but rising above them. And you're going to all learn this verse if you're ever here. When you obey him, you become the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. Blessed in the city, blessed in the country, coming in and going out. Though your enemies come at you from one direction, they'll flee in seven. I don't want to just be a Christian. Matter of fact, I want to be able to say nowadays, are you a Christian? I say, no, I'm really not. But I am a follower of Christ. I'm a disciple. That whatever he says do, I'm going to do it. If it separates me from the world, my family, and everybody else, I read all the time, the most thing on Facebook, which I hate. Excuse me, sorry. I know it's a good social media ally. I get that. Before you crucify me this week on Facebook, the most important thing in my life is family. No, it's not. The most important thing in your life is Jesus. And if he's the most important, family is going to be fine. I only point you in this direction is because the devil will do everything in his power to get us to live horizontal. We're called to live vertical. Our home is not here. Our home is heaven. And what we do here is going to make a difference here. Be a follower of Jesus Christ. This means you go from being thinking it's possible. Christians think it's probable. Disciples say, I'm passionate. I believe everything he said to be true. We go from seek to and say, God, whatever it takes. Disciples are willing to sacrifice and say, God, whatever it takes, whatever you want, I'll do it. You know, I believe in upbeat, positive messages. Hopefully this has kind of been one of them. But the reality is, as we approach the fall, there are people seeking all over the place. And the question is, are we seeking them? Are we seeking out people? Are we inviting people to church? Are we sharing our lives and the love of God with them? Not the four spiritual laws. Are we loving them? Susan and I eat at one place every time we're in Florida. We eat at the same place. And there's a precious owner of this restaurant that we've come to know that now watches us online just because she said, what do you all do? And we you know, kind of look because when you tell somebody you're a pastor, all of a sudden everybody puts on some kind of face. I've always hated that. I just want to tell them that I'm a behavior modification therapist. <laughs> At least they'll finish talking to me. I'm like, can you modify my behavior? You say, can you modify my husband's behavior? He's a numb skull. <laughs> David put it this way when he was, King David said <clears throat> he was always going to give him his threshing floor. He knew of King David. And David was highly respected. In spite of everything in his life, he's highly respected. 
And he was looking for a place to sacrifice to the Lord. Aaron all knew who he was. And he said, I, I'll give it to you for free, David. David said, no, I insist on paying the full price. I will not take uh, for the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing. David said, if I'm going to really serve the Lord, I'm going to pay whatever price necessary to serve him. We're called to be followers of Jesus. And throughout my journey in the last way too many years now of serving God and preaching the gospel since 1978, I went from being a seeker to finding him, to being a Christian, to being a disciple, going back to being a seeker, wondering if everything I'd ever preached or believed was real. And I know that some of you quit on that because you think you've offended God when you still have questions. I still have questions every day. I don't question you. I have questions that I need God to answer. Things that we go through in life. You lost your job. You had an accident. You lost someone you loved. You went through a divorce. Whatever those things might be, they always take us back to seeking, and that's not a bad thing. God, I need more answers. And when I get them, I will continue to follow you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Don't quit on God. I've invited people throughout all my life of serving God to church. And here's the common response. And it used to really bother me, but it doesn't anymore because I looked up the definition of hypocrite. And I'm going to give you the general definition of it. You say, well, you know, I'd go to church, but it's filled with hypocrites. And I thought, well, one more won't hurt. <laughs> but that would be kind of rude. So my, <laughs> I thought that probably won't, you know, endear them to us. But my thought was, I said, you know, uh, let me define hypocrite. A person who says something and intentionally operative word does the opposite. We all believe what we say probably, but we don't always live it. And it's not because we don't want to. It's because we're human and we're not capable. So if anybody ever addresses that when I say, you know, you're right, it may be. Uh, but I don't really see it that way. I see it filled with people who are just as jacked up with you but, as you but don't want to be. And we're trying our best to overcome our human flaws and our sin nature. So if you're living shallow and you want to go deeper, these are the steps. Realize seeking's not a bad thing. Being Christian is a good thing. Being a follower of Jesus, in my opinion, is the right thing. That I no longer serve God so I can go to heaven. I serve God because I want to bring heaven to earth and reveal his love to a lost world. Let's pray. Father, take us deeper. Lord, oftentimes we find ourselves in the shallow end of life, in the surface things. You can't even cover us because we're not going out deep enough and we're not searching hard enough and we're not, Lord, all these things you knew about before you ever sent your son. So I pray for everyone watching, everyone in the building today, that God, we all would desire to go deeper. We wouldn't want to just sit around and call ourselves Christians and say, you know, someday I'm going to go to heaven. Today, I'm going to bring heaven to earth. I'm going to love the lost. I'm going to bring your healing word to the hurting. And God, when we have church where there aren't people who aren't searching in our presence and people who aren't seeking. And we never have a service where there aren't lost people watching or sitting in a chair. We know that. What we want to do is be able to tell you, if you'll simply call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. And that's what Jesus and that's what the Bible says. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
I want to pray a simple prayer and ask you to pray it with me. And as you pray this prayer and you exercise faith in him, <clears throat> he will come and be the Lord of your life. So I'd like to ask all of you to pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus, your only son, to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I confess with my mouth, you are now the Lord of my life. And I declare I'm saved. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.